and welcome to another episode of Learning to Fly the Podcast. I'm sorry for the delay in today's episode. I've been a little under the weather the last few days, but I am super excited to be back and to be sharing Neil Hilborn's poetry. Neil Hilborn is known best for his slam works and for writing pieces that are incredibly near and dear to his heart. Each poem that I'm going to share with you today stands for something that's super important in his life and has helped form who he is. And that's something that I think we could all use a little more of in our poetry. So without further ado, I'd like to start off with a poem titled Static Electricity. In the second grade, we did an experiment with static electricity. We rubbed balloons on our heads and stuck them to the walls. And kissing you is kind of like that. My hair stands on edge. I get shocked when I touch things. And I want to tell you stupid stuff like kissing you is a bundle of kittens colliding with my face at 0.5 miles an hour. It's like being shot with a dart gun made of hummingbirds and shooting darts made of hummingbirds and your lips are so soft I can't actually tell when we are touching. Like braiding hair underwater, like napping under your favorite blanket filled with rainbows and clouds and your favorite books. When you kiss me, the cartoon devil and angel on my shoulder climb into my ears, lick all of my neurons, and start to fucking on my brainstem. If you were a 300-pound professional weightlifter and I were a Kia Sorento, you could drag me anywhere. Kissing you is patient and impossibly slow, like peeling paint off a wall with glittery stickers or cooking a turkey with a lighter. You remind me of the time in second grade when Bethany Hopkirk called me a freak and stabbed me in the arm with a pencil because kissing you is kind of like that unhealthy and it will probably result in disfigurement but baby bring on the facial scars and the lead poisoning because when you kiss me you are dangling me off a bridge by a belt you are a screen door to my childhood a taste and the swinging so full of holes you could never keep anything in you are every black eye you are a semi-truck and i am a turtle with two broken legs and a broken heart you are illegal fireworks falling down the stairs driving on four flat tires playing frisbee at night with a saw blade kissing you is like falling out of a 37 story window exploding into clouds of robins and reappearing on the ground with my mouth full of feathers and when i can't kiss you I try to find the static electricity in my apartment. I dig around in light sockets. I change light bulbs with my teeth and make out with a toaster. And I know we've only been seeing each other for a couple of weeks, but baby, when you kiss me, I can't remember my middle name or which one is my left foot. So come on over tonight. We'll shuffle around the apartment in our socks. We'll let our lips drift towards each other like tectonic plates made out of kittens. All right, so I'm going to take a quick second to share a message about our sponsor, and then I'll be back to share more Neil Hilborn poetry. All right, so welcome back. The next piece I'd like to share with you guys is titled Joey, and this is one of his most popular pieces. It's also the one that got him into slam because this affected him so incredibly. Joey always told me, laughing as though it were actually a joke, that he wanted to kill himself, but it was never the right time. There were always groceries to be bought and little brothers to be tucked in at night. Don't worry, Joey isn't going to kill himself 20 seconds into this poem. It's not that kind of story I'm telling. Joey got a new promotion, and now he can't afford antidepressants. Joey is Joe now. Joey is a cold engine in which none of the parts complain. Joe is a brought someone made out of fossils. If you removed money from the equation, Joey would have been painting elk on a cave wall. 
people would have fed him and kept him away from high placed from high places because goddamn look at those elk i think the genes for being an artist and mentally ill aren't just related they're the same gene but try telling that to a bill collector we were 17 and i drove us to punk shows in a station wagon that was older than any of us we were 17 and i bought lunch for joey more often than i didn't we were 17 and the only time joey tried to talk me out of being depressed or talk to me about being depressed was when someone else was around i told him to shut the hell up and asked him if he needed to change his tampon you know that moment when the cartoon realizes he's taken three steps off the cliff but he takes too long to look back at the audience like we're all holding the last moving box in the half-empty house Joey looked like that without the puff of smoke. He just played video games for half an hour and then went home. I once caught Joey in my dad's office staring at the safe where he knew we kept the guns. Once Joey molded his car into the shape of a tree trunk and refused to give a reason why. I once caught Joey in biology class staring at the scalpel like he wanted to be the frog, splayed out, wide open, so honest. There's only one difference between me and Joey. When we got arrested, bail money was waiting for me at the station. When I was hungry, I ate. When I wanted to open myself up and see litter if there were really bees rattling around, my parents got me a therapist. I can pinpoint the session that brought me back to this world. The session cost $75. $75 is two weeks of groceries. It's a month of bus fare. It's not even school year's worth of new shoes. It took weeks of $75 to get to the one that saved my life. We both had parents that believed us when we said we weren't okay, but mine could afford to do something about it. I wonder how many kids like Joey wanted to die and were actually unlucky enough to pull it off. How many kids had people who cared about them but also had to pay the rent. And I'm so lucky right now that I'm not describing Joey's funeral. I'm so lucky we all lived through who we were to become who we are. I am so lucky. I am so lucky. And like I said, that was the first poem that Neil Hilburn um, shared and was the first one that really got him into slam. And it is something that tells a story we could all stand to hear a little more often. The next piece I'd like to share, give me just a brief second. The next piece I'd like to share is called OCD. And this is another one that I really appreciate from him. So, OCD poem. The first time I saw her, everything in my head went quiet. All the ticks, all the constantly refreshing images disappeared. When you have obsessive compulsive disorder, you don't get really quiet moments. Even in bed, I'm thinking, did I lock the doors? Yes. Did I wash my hands? Yes. Did I lock the doors? Yes. Did I wash my hands? Yes. But when I saw her, the only thing I could think about was the hairpin curve of her lips or the eyelash on her cheek, the eyelash on her cheek, the eyelash on her cheek. I knew I had to talk to her. I asked her out six times in 30 seconds. She said yes after the third one, but none of them felt right, so I had to keep going. On our first date, I spent more time organizing my meal by color than I did eating it or talking to her, but she loved it. She told she loved the way I had to kiss her goodbye 16 times or 24 times at different times of the day. She loved that it took me forever to walk home because there are a lot of cracks on our sidewalk. When we moved in together, she said she felt safe, like no one would ever rob us because I definitely locked the door 18 times. I'd always watch her mouth when she talked, when she talked, when she talked, when she talked. When she said she loved me, her mouth would curl up on the edges. 
At night, she'd lay in bed and watch me turn the lights off and on and 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 off and on again. She'd close her eyes and imagine the days and the nights were passing in front of her, but then she said I was taking up too much of her time, that I couldn't kiss her goodbye so much because I was making her late for work. When she said she loved me, her mouth was a straight line, and when I stopped in front of a crack on the sidewalk, she just kept walking. And last week, she started sleeping at her mother's place and told me that she shouldn't have let me get so attached to her that this whole thing was a mistake. But how could it be a mistake that I don't have to wash my hands after I touch her? Love is not a mistake. It's killing me that she can run away from this, and I just can't. I can't go out and find someone new because I always think of her. Usually when I obsess over things, I see the germs sneaking into my skin. I see myself crushed by an endless succession of cars. And she was the first beautiful thing I ever got stuck on. I want to wake up every morning thinking about the way she holds the steering wheel. How she turns shower knobs like she's opening a safe. How she blows out the candle, blows out the candles, blows out the candles, blows out the candles, blows out. And now I just think about who else is kissing her. I can't breathe because he only kisses her once. As if he doesn't care that it's perfect. I want her back so bad. I leave the door unlocked. I leave the lights on. And the next piece I want to read is titled Clatter. It is impossible to imagine a color you have not seen. I can't call my mother because she makes me panic. When I say that I'm crying, what I really mean is I want to cry, but I can't. Instead of dying, the jellyfish simply ceases to move. Glass moves like any other liquid, but slower. Sex is another way of communicating with your body, like self-harm or sign language. I completed five crosswords a day because I it stops the panic. Trucks are downshifting on Main Street. Most of what I do, I do to stop the panic. I never cry about things outside of my head because they all seem so far away. Hair is partially composed of cyanide napalm, is just gasoline and plastic, and I am just carbon and bad timing. If I were someone else, I think I would still be mentally ill. It is impossible to imagine a color you have not seen. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, the thing that I really appreciate about Neil Hilborn's work is that each piece really does stand for something, and it is something that has affected him deeply enough that it's changed the outcome of his life. Um, I think that his pieces are incredibly well-written. They have a great structure to them, and I love the fact that it's definitely his voice that comes out in all of them. If you're looking for more of his work, I highly recommend the collection titled Future. It's available on buttonpoetry.com as well as Amazon. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Learning to Fly. I'll see you again tomorrow. And it's not too late to submit your own recordings of poems that mean something to you for the Poem in Your Pocket Day episode. I'm so excited to share that with you on April 30th. All right. Once again, I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.